Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. You are listening to On the Environment, a podcast series from the Yale Center for Environmental Law and Policy. For more information, visit the website at envirocenter.yale.edu. I'm Emma Crow Willard, a first-year Master's of Environmental Management student at the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies. Today, I'm having a conversation with Bob Sussman. He is a visiting lecturer to the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies and was also a visiting lecturer to the Yale Law School last year. He had two stints in senior policy positions at the EPA in the Clinton and the Obama administrations, and he does a lot of writing on the clean power plan and climate issues. Thank you for joining us, Bob. Pleasure to be here. Uh, The Clean Power Plan is the first federal policy to reduce greenhouse gas emissions from existing power plants. It's estimated to have health benefits between 25 and $45 billion of savings. So first, what is the emission reduction goal of the Clean Power Plan, and is it achievable? Yeah, to, to take a step back here, uh, the power sector is the largest source of greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S. economy and accounts for about 30% of, of total emissions. So uh, we need to be focusing hard on the power sector if we want to make progress in reducing uh, the overall U.S. greenhouse gas footprint. Uh, that's why the Obama administration uh, teed up power plants for uh, regulation early in the president's second term. Uh, the Clean Power Plan is based on uh, Section 111 of the uh, the Clean Air Act, and uh, the goal of the Clean Power Plan is to achieve a 32% reduction in power plant emissions as compared uh, to uh, 2005 emission levels, and uh, to have these reductions in place by uh, by by 2030. So uh, they're planning to have the implementation start in 2022. Is that correct? No, that's that that's right. Uh, just to review the. Uh, the implement, implementation timeline for uh, the CPP, as we call it, uh, the rule itself was issued by uh, US EPA in uh, August of, of 2015. Uh, uh, the rule is, is to be implemented by the states. So each state has a separate uh, emission reduction goal and needs to develop a a plan uh, that will bring it into compliance with that goal. So the first step in the process is uh, the development of state plans. Uh, that's expected to take uh, three years or so. Then uh, EPA needs to review the state plan to make sure it meets the requirements of the Clean Power Plan. And then uh, industry has uh, some additional lead time uh, before they are actually subject to the CPP's uh, requirements. So when you add 
all of that up, EPA decided that reductions uh, would be required uh, starting in 2022. That's not to say that uh, reductions couldn't occur earlier in anticipation of the CPP's requirements, but the legal compliance date uh, is 2022. And in the period 2022 to 2030, uh, power plants need to uh, gradually reduce their emissions. There are year-by-year goals for emission reduction, and the concept is a glide path in emission reduction leading to the ultimate goal of a 32% reduction in 2030. So how was that 32% reduction uh, chosen? Is that going to help lead us towards our uh, Paris Agreement policy? Yeah, no, that's that's a very uh, important question, Emma. And uh, to simplify some fairly complex legal concepts, uh, e- EPA took a snapshot of the power sector uh, with an eye towards identifying the strategies that power companies could employ uh, to reduce emissions. And it in particular looked for strategies that uh, are in place already and are producing results and, and are cost effective. And so on the basis of that, EPA came up with three what it calls building blocks. And uh, these are the emission reduction strategies that, that EPA is 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 saying can and should be used by the power sector. They fall into three categories. One is uh, improving the efficiency and reducing the emissions of coal-fired power plants. Uh, a second is accelerating the transition away from coal and replacing coal plants with uh, power generated from natural gas. And the third is uh, growing the amount of power which is produced from renewables. So EPA basically analyzed uh, what a reasonable emission reduction trajectory might be looking at all three of those strategies, uh, including uh, the availability of the technology, uh, costs and and other factors and and so when it added up uh, the reductions that could be achieved from the three building blocks it uh, it determined that the overall emission reduction goal should be uh, should be thirty two percent now um, there is some debate about how EPA Uh, did that analysis. Uh, There are questions about whether EPA considered all of the reduction strategies uh, that that might be brought to bear. Uh, There are questions about whether EPA understated the emission reduction potential of some strategies like renewables, uh, where some would, would, would argue that Uh, renewables can, in fact, achieve a significantly greater penetration in the marketplace than EPA assumed in its its analysis. So 
Um, uh, whether EPA picked the right number or not is is a subject of of ongoing debate. And in terms of the uh, the 2025 Paris goals, um, I would note a couple of things. First, these are uh, goals to be achieved uh, in 2025 and not 2030. Uh, and and secondly, the uh, the target for the entire U.S. economy is 26 uh, to 28 uh, percent uh, reduced greenhouse gases. And so you have to ask uh, whether uh, taking into account other sectors of the economy that might be moving more, to- more slowly toward reducing emissions, the fair share uh, that the power sector should contribute uh, is more than 30 percent, and my my 32 percent. My my personal view is uh, that that it's it's reasonable to look for deeper reductions uh, from the power sector. And in fact, we may need to do that to meet our 2025 economy wide goal. Great. So the Clean Power Plan assigns different emission reduction targets to each state. How do they vary among states, and then um, are these fair? Right, right. Well, EPA had uh, uh, a number of choices in in developing uh, state goals, and there was a lot of debate about the best way to do it. Obviously, uh, there were concerns expressed about uh, uh, whether... Uh, certain states were in a good or a bad position to reduce emissions. Uh, also, whether uh, some states would have to bear uh, disproportionate costs because of uh, their mix of fuel sources and also because of uh, the condition of their economies. In the end, uh, EPA uh, 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 adopted a fairly simple and, and straightforward approach, which is uh, it set a reduction target for gas plants and another reduction target for coal plants. And then uh, it applied these targets uh, to the state's uh, mix of fossil fuel uh, generation. And so uh, a state with a predominance of coal plants uh, would have to do more than a state with a predominance of gas plants in uh, a state that has very little renewable energy would have to do more than a state that derives a substantial portion of its electricity from renewable sources. So taking all of that into account, uh, the state goals do vary uh, fairly significantly. There are some states, Connecticut is an example, uh, that don't have to reduce emissions at all. Uh, there are other states that that need to make very substantial reductions in the range of 35 to 40 percent. Uh, and then there are other states that are somewhere in the middle. Uh, the states that have the biggest burden under the Clean Power Plan are uh, the states that historically have been heavily reliant on coal for 
uh, power generation. And these also tend to be uh, states that have been heavily reliant on coal mining uh, as a significant driver of their economy. So uh, we're talking about states like uh, Montana, uh, Wyoming, North Dakota, uh, West Virginia, uh, Kentucky, and perhaps uh, a few states of the Deep South uh, like Alabama. And as, as you might expect, these, these states have uh, been opponents of the Clean Power Plan. They've tried to, to stop it in its, in its tracks, and uh, they are concerned not only uh, about the, uh, the, the impact on the electricity grid in their states, they're also concerned about the impact on the production of coal uh, and mining jobs, which have historically uh, been very important uh, to, the, to the state's economies. Do you think that those jobs can transition into renewable energy sectors? Well, we would want that to happen, and, and we hope that it will happen over time. Uh, some of these states actually have uh, significant uh, renewable resources. For example, uh, Wyoming is uh, very favorably endowed with wind, uh, resources and is already a significant producer of 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 wind energy. Um, we know that in states uh, with uh, uh, a high number of coal miners, that uh, those folks unfortunately uh, are 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 going to see their livelihoods go away and and something will need to replace uh, coal mining. It, it may be renewables, it, it may be high tech, uh, it may be anyone, any number of things. Um, but but I would say that this is not going to be a simple or easy transition. It's going to take a lot of work by a lot of people. So that's a part of why they have to take give so much time in order to make those plans and work it out. Right, that's true. So each state has the choice to decide on a mass-based plan or a rate-based plan. Can you talk a little about a bit a little bit about what that means and um, how they'll implement that? Yeah, uh, the way EPA designed the the CPP, uh, state goals can be expressed in one of two ways. They can be expressed as an emission rate target, or they can be expressed as, as a mass of CO2 emissions, uh, basically uh, uh, an upper limit on the quantity of CO2 emissions in, in the state. Um, the emission rate uh, uh, approach uh, basically looks at, at improving the ratio between uh, emissions and total power generation. The emission rate is, is literally uh, the ratio of uh, CO2 
uh, emitted per uh, kilowatt hour of, of electricity. And the idea there uh, is, is to emit less CO2 for each unit of electricity uh, production. It is not an absolute cap on, on CO2. Um, but it does create an incentive for a power company to, uh, to reduce the amount of fossil fuel generation that they have and to replace it with uh, non-emitting sources, which could be renewables uh, or could in some cases be energy efficiency. Um, so the rate-based approach uh, uh, can be converted into a mass-based approach. And what EPA has, in fact, done is set uh, mass-based goals for each state as well as rate-based goals for the, the state. The mass-based goal uh, is an absolute limit on greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, and, and so it simply focuses on achieving a percentage reduction of total emissions uh, in the state. How the state gets there, uh, uh, what strategies they use to decarbonize power production, that is a decision that's, that's up to the state. So uh, EPA has given the states a choice, and, and while most states uh, will probably adopt a mass-based approach. There seem to be a significant minority of states that are heading towards a rate-based approach. So how those two work, one of them, do they have auctions for the state decides this much? Well, well, the federal government decided the the target amount, and so the state will auction a certain amount of uh, tons of CO2 that are allowed to be emitted, and then power plants buy those allowances, basically. Right, right. Well, the, this is, I, I think, the way it would work in in a mass-based state. And the idea is that the state issues emission allowances, which, in effect, uh, equal the... Uh, maximum allowable quantity of emissions uh, in the state. And, and so uh, everybody has to reduce emissions because the number of allowances are set at a level which is below uh, uh, current emissions. So uh, everybody needs to emit less. Now, there are a number of different ways of distributing allowances, and there's a lot of debate about the best way to do that. Uh, one, one tool that is often used is to auction allowances, and uh, that is done in a number of cap-and-trade programs. It's, it's done in the European cap-and-trade program, in the REGIE program that we have, and the northeastern United States and the California uh, cap-and-trade program. And most people would say uh, that auctioning allowances is, uh, is, is the best way to incentivize 
uh, emission reductions because uh, anybody whose emissions are fairly high needs to think twice about whether they want to expend the amount of money uh, to purchase allowances to cover uh, all or a portion of their emissions. And so that's an added cost uh, that power producers may want to avoid, which would accelerate uh, their investment in either lower emitting uh, technology like natural gas plants or non-emitting technology like renewables or uh, or or energy efficiency. Um, another decision is whether you create a so-called allowance set aside uh, for uh, a, a particular uh, group of of companies in the industry. One idea, for example, is is to reserve a certain number of allowances for uh, companies that are producing power from renewable sources, uh, and to distribute those allowances free of charge uh, to the renewable industry, which obviously would give renewable producers a leg up in competing uh, against against fossil fuel uh, generators. Um, because of the way the Clean Air Act is constructed, uh, uh, EPA has uh, been compelled to let individual states uh, make this choice, and the end result here will be that uh, local politics and, and, and economics will play a very big part in how the allowances are distributed. And you may see different approaches in different parts of the country, uh, which I, I do think will undercut uh, the goal of having a, a smoothly functioning, uh, uh, rationally constructed emission trading market across the country. Related to that, if they are auctioning off these allowances, they're raising money, then they could spend on energy efficiency programs or on uh, renewable projects. Um, in the rate base, is there a similar way that they would then raise funds? It, it, it's a little more complicated and and a little a little more difficult because I don't know that you have an allowance system as such. Uh, uh, the 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 coinage or the currency, if you will, uh, of a rate based system is the emission reduction credit and the emission reduction credit basically represents a kilowatt hour of non-emitting energy. So you may see a trading market in emission reduction credits or, uh, or, or ERCs, um, but uh, I think it will operate differently from uh, the allowance-based system in mass-based states. So... All of these uh, emission reductions of greenhouse gases from the power sector, it's going to be dependent on what happens with the Clean Power Plan, because right now um, the court has put a stay on it. Can you explain a little bit what that means and why they've done that? 
Right. First of all, uh, what what a stay is is uh, an order from the court that uh, basically directs the agency not to implement or enforce a regulation uh, until the validity of that regulation has been reviewed by the courts and 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 determined. So, uh, a stay basically. Uh, puts EPA on hold, puts all of the compliance deadlines under the Clean Power Plan uh, on 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 hold. Uh, it, it basically suspends implementation for some period of time uh, while the courts are looking at the issue. Uh, this day was very unusual. Uh, uh, the lower court, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, did not issue a stay. They felt it was unjustified. Uh, but then, to the surprise of many, uh, the Supreme Court jumped in and uh, issued a stay by a 5-4 to four vote. Many people uh, thought that this was uh, unprecedented and, and very unusual uh, by the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court did not give its reasons for issuing uh, this day, but most people uh, would say that uh, the, the justices supporting this day, the five justices who voted to issue this day, had serious concerns about the legal basis for the Clean Power Plan and did not want it to go forward until all those issues had been uh, fully debated and resolved. So why do we think that it's possible that it could be legal or illegal? What What is the argument there? Well, there are a number of, 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 of different arguments. Uh, they all involve uh, the language of the Clean Air Act and what authority the Clean Air Act gives or doesn't give uh, to EPA. And, and they focus in particular on Section 111 of the Clean Air Act, which gives EPA authority to issue uh, emission standards of performance for new power, new plants, and uh, and, and existing plants. Uh, historically, uh, EPA's approach under Section 111 is uh, to look within the four corners of the plant at uh, technology improvements that might be made to uh, lower emissions. A classic example would be putting a scrubber uh, on the stack of a coal-fired uh, power plant. Um, the question would be, what is the available technology and, and is it feasible to require the individual plant uh, to make that technology change? EPA's under the appro approach under the clean power plan is more of a uh, 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 a grid-wide or system-wide approach. It's not saying that uh, a coal fire, fire plant, for example, uh, has the technological capability to reduce emissions by 30%. Uh, what it is saying is that 
for the grid as a whole, uh, we can achieve a 30% reduction if we have less coal, more natural gas, and, uh, and, and more renewables. And so one of the big argument, uh, arguments that, that the opponents of the clean power plan are making is, is that EPA uh, uh, cannot require emission reduction strategies that are, quote, beyond the fence line, that are outside the four corners of uh, an individual plant. That is probably the biggest issue that the courts are uh, examining. There are some other issues, but I, I think most of the experts think that the one issue that I've described is, is going to be the crucial one in the end. So how long do you think it's going to take the courts to come up with a decision, and is that going to push back our reduction goal timeline? Yeah. Um, well, uh, there are some imponderables here uh, because we don't know exactly what will happen at different stages of the process and when it will happen. Um, right now, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals uh, is in the process of issuing a decision on the validity of the clean power plan. Uh, the court has uh, recently heard oral argument, uh, which means all of the lawyers appear in front of the justices and uh, answer their questions and, and present their various uh, legal arguments. So uh, the first step will be for the judges on that court to reach a decision, and that could take um, anywhere from three to six months maybe a little less, maybe a little, a little longer. Um, then uh, it's pretty likely that the full Supreme Court would decide to take the case and to review the decision of the D.C. Circuit. We don't know that for a fact, but uh, having entered a stay, uh, it would be very surprising if the Supreme Court didn't take the case. So if you build in time for uh, the Supreme Court phase of the case, that will uh, take you until the end of 2017, perhaps into the first part of 2018, and probably the stay will remain in place for that uh, entire period. So let's assume that after uh, all of this judicial activity, uh, the Supreme Court upholds the clean power plan. We don't know that for sure, but uh, I think folks are more confident than they were before that uh, this, the clean power plan will survive and uh, there will be a favorable decision by uh, the Supreme Court, at that point, the next question becomes, okay, do we change the deadlines? Uh, uh, do we change the deadlines for the submission of state plans? Uh, do we change the 2022 compliance date, uh, which is the initial date on which power companies need to comply? Uh, do we change the 2030 date for uh, full compliance? 
Um, there will be a lot of a lot of arguments pro and con. This will be a hotly contested issue. There will be a lot of debate about it. So one last question: uh, How, if the clean power plan goes into effect, how is it going to affect us as consumers? Is are our power bills going to go up? Well, uh, most of the analysis is done on this issue is concluding that uh, uh, there may be fairly modest increases in electricity rates, uh, but they're not going to be very significant. Uh, and if, in fact, the clean power plan results in more energy efficiency, uh, it may be that the cost of energy uh, doesn't go up at, at, at all. And uh, I think that that this will only become more true uh, as uh, we improve uh, the technology and lower the costs of zero-emitting generation like renewables. So I think the balance of experts uh, would say that uh, there isn't going to be any sticker shock here. Thank you so much, Bob, for joining us. Is great Thank you. To you. My pleasure. The views and opinions expressed by the interviewers and interviewees as part of On the Environment do not necessarily reflect the views of the Yale Center for Environmental Law and Policy, its affiliated faculty, staff, or supporters.